Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Are you at the front end of learning how to lead out of a team? You're going to love our guest today as he shares how he has been transformed through learning to lead differently. Listen for the surprise announcement and enjoy the episode. Lift off when the clock has started. I've had an opportunity in this past year to work in one of our local parishes called Christ the King, where I've met a great friend and father, Anthony Caruana, who is our guest today. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Father Anthony, why don't you share with our listeners kind of how you came to Halifax and what brought you? Um, yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm originally from, from Malta, so I didn't come here for the weather. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I was actually ordained for a diocese in, in, in Scotland, and I was I served there for a total of eight years, both as associate and pastor. And, um, you know, a time came when I, I discerned that um, um, it was time for me to go somewhere else. There was, we could say, like a new management there, which um, I was sensing wasn't entirely keen on um, a missional church, you know, the church that wants to reach out. And I've always believed in that church, which is outward focused and a church which is there for those who aren't in it. Right. Um, <laughs> so. Um, uh, I, through Father James, Father James Mellon, I um, became more aware of the direction that this diocese in Halifax was taking, and I felt this, um, this would be a place where I could, where I could serve, serve more, serve better, and uh, so uh, yeah, the transfer happened, and so I've been here for uh, for two years, um, two great years. Really. I love that. And for me, it was really fun. I was coaching Father Toshiku and the team, which uh, they have a great team, a great parish. They've gone through a lot of changes, a recent amalgamation that they've really done a great job going through. And and then you invited me to get involved more significantly as, as our friend Becca took some maternity leave to have a beautiful baby and asked me to fill in during that period of time. And it was really fun. It was a great opportunity for me to re-engage at, at that level in a parish, which is truly my passion. And we developed a great friendship. Um, and it's been fun to, to again, watch, watch a church transform so closely and, and being a direct part of it. And I'd just love to ask you, what types of things have you learned since you've been there, since you've come to, to Nova Scotia and, and been working in the diocese? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really think we have baby Jacob to think to thank for our for our friendship because that's right that that is actually how um, how it started and yeah some of the things I I learned really from interacting with you Ron but um and even a, a bit before um when you were uh, coaching our uh, our leadership team and and with Father Tuchiku one of the first thing I things I noticed is that Father Tuchiku leads out of teams um, in, in particular, the, the senior leadership team, the parish leadership team. Um, so for me, that was more than just a learning. That was a, a complete reversal of what I 
understood leadership to be in the church. Um, you know, the way I was trained in seminary, it was really very much the ideal priest is the priest who is there for, for everyone all the time. And so the more you can micromanage, then the better priest you are. Um, and it didn't take me long to realize that this doesn't work. This is a broken system. But I really didn't know anything else, an, an alternative. So until I, I came here and so, yeah, I, I love working out of teams. Um, it's what I spend most of my time now as associate is, is leading our various uh, teams in the parish. Um, what I love about it, for example, from a from a priest or pastor perspective, is that the I like to call the ministry of decision making yes. uh, is is a shared ministry. It's probably the hardest um, aspect of being a pastor. Um, but if if the pastor is eating out of a team, then that's that's shared. Another thing that I noticed was um, that you know no no pastor is complete. Every pastor has some kind of shortcomings or blind spots, and so if the team is well um, well composed, um, others are strong where pastor is is not, and so it, together the team can be strong and quite complete. And another thing which uh, I was not expecting in Canada because everyone's so nice here was uh, how to how to have healthy conflict. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in a team just watch an ice hockey game we're not so nice yeah. all the time <laughs> i know i know <laughs> so uh, uh yeah again i, I learned uh, a lot from that because again my my mentality of doing that conflict is always wrong and right it's so bad to have any kind of conflict in a you know in a christian church context whereas in fact some of our best decisions were born out of that kind of clashing of views or right. So that's, yeah. it's interesting because, you know, for anyone that, that follows us on the podcast, they or read some of the books that, that, that have been written, they'll hear these theories and, 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 and will either aspire to them or not, but boy, there's a difference between even agreeing with something in theory and then coming and living it as you had, um, mm -hmm. isn't there like, it's like, Holy cow. Yeah. It's not, still not easy. It might make sense. It might be better, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah, and it, it does take time for it to become ingrained. Like someone has to keep reminding us of, of the principles from time to time. Right. Because so we can slip into a bit of a default of um, maybe avoiding conflict or things like that. So right. That's why something like coaching is um, really essential you get called back to the principles that you say that you subscribe. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, because I think sometimes we can violate them by accident. It's easy to see when mm -hmm. somebody else does it and we can cast the blame. Uh, but yeah. then oftentimes it, it requires us to step up in ways that are sometimes uncomfortable. And I think in what yeah. I've found in coaching, it's I can facilitate those conversations that can feel dangerous for, <laughs> for people to have when they yeah. have to you know, stick around in that environment, I can make it safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really beautiful learning. So I don't, I don't think he'll mind if I say this, but Father Tuchiko, the pastor, may have very different um, gifts and also personalities. And even uh, for those who have done APEST, for example, are uh, 
our, our five gifts are precisely the reverse of each other's. <laughs> <laughs> Polar opposites. Polar opposites. Um, so that could have been, the, you know, a recipe for disaster in, in many ways. True. Um, but because we looked at that from the beginning and, and with a bit of, you know, a bit of help, like coaching, um, we could start to see that actually we, we can make each other really, really great. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's helped me a lot to understand the kind of people and, and healing perspective. And I, you know, I hope I've helped him uh, also grow in, in terms of like, you know, being strategic and mm-hmm. planning for the future. So, yeah, the threat became an opportunity. So that it's wonderful. Like that's, it really makes for a very happy and, and fruitful ministry. I love that. That's true. And anybody that that knows the two of you, uh, there it is a it is a opposite ish attraction, and it's just it works so well. And we can laugh at it. Like we have a good laugh at it. We're always joking with you. And well, they they, they call us Father Tea and Father Coffee for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Most people can't say Father Toshiku's name, so they shorten it to Father T. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you just automatically become uh, Father Coffee. I like that. <laughs> that's awesome. And so, yeah, working out of teams has been really important. And and not you know, you're a part of a team as as a member of the leadership team, but then you also run a team in terms of the pastoral ministry team. And so, how how has that been for you? What have you learned? Or how have you had to grow running a team? Um, yeah, so I, I need the, uh, we call it the pastoral team. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the mission team, our, our, our frontliners. So um, um, it's a team of five, six, six individuals. And, and they all, they all take, take leadership in, a, in an area, in a, in a system of our pastoral lives. Are they uh, staff or volunteers? Uh, they're almost all volunteers at the moment. Yeah. Well, very committed ones. So, yes. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I meet with them as a team. We meet together once a week, and then I have a one-on-one with each one of them every week as well. Um, well, and so something that I had started to learn, again, this was a complete reversal of how I used to think, was to um, fo- you know, focus on strengths. So before, my approach was, you know, let me see where I'm weak and try to shore that up and try to, you know, try, try to improve in my weakness weaknesses um whereas in coming here i started to to see the theory worked out you know in, in practice of um uh, people in, in in leadership who are placed where where they're gifted um so it, that started to happen with me in particular when like the pandemic started and the lockdown hit mm-hmm. and um we you know we were a bit like deer is deer deer in in, in the headlights like yes. everybody else. And so because my tendency is to be strategic and, and planning for the future, I kind of stepped up and said, okay, here's a plan. Let's go with this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I felt I was given a good contribution. So in the team, in the team that I lead, um, I, I look the same way. So I, I really tailor each one-on-one to the strengths and personality of, of each one of them. And again, it's a, it's a big learning for for all of us, for all of them, not not to focus on on the weaknesses, but to really understand what their gifts are and grow them. Because if we invest in their gifts, 
you know, the, the multiplier effect is going to be so much bigger. And where they're weak, I either try to support them myself or um, to bring in people into their own teams who are strong when they're not. Um, and uh, if, for me, the litmus test that is working is that they're having fun. You know, right. they're enjoying it. We were in a meeting the other day and one of the people that you support that's on our team, cause I'm on your team. And they said, I just, it was just so spontaneous. And I, I, I was so excited. They said this past year, it's been a game changer. They've been a really highly committed volunteer at the parish for years. And they said, this past year has been a absolute game changer. And I said, well, why? And they said, well, because of how I've been invested in and supported through Father Anthony's um, support. And I just thought, how cool is that? And I'm often trying to speak into leaders saying that number one mistake I see leaders make is not investing in their key people because it's your key people that have the biggest opportunity for impact and they're often the least likely to come to you for help if they're competent. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because uh, definitely before, I think I spent most of my time either with the people who have a problem of some kind or who, who complain, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the investment of my time and focus was misplaced in a way in terms of you know giving fruit. It sounds like a hard job. Like even as I hear you explain it, you're saying you tailor your approach to each person, knowing what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and how they experience support. It's not like, okay, I'm just going to rip through these meetings. I'm me. I'm going to do what I do every time, and they're just going to have to live with it. It sounds like you're taking the responsibility for adapting and adjusting. Yeah, I mean, even at a very basic level, you know, some individuals, they need to tell me what their week has been like first before we can talk. And others, they need to get straight to that, to the tasks. And then only after that can I start to ask them, well, how are you really? Things like that. Um, but like I'm also learning, uh, again, from you, uh, Ron, for example, like at, at the end of each meeting to ask them, okay, what do, what do we want to talk about next week? Mm-hmm. Um, so both of us are, are kind, of, um, a bit kind of calibrated for, for the next meeting, right? It's not, it's not just a chat. Not starting from scratch all over again and trying to come up with a topic because one topic, one session can often lead to the other. And if we take that moment to to think about it and agree on it together, that's the launching point for the next meeting. Well, what's great about that? Then it cuts down in your prep time for the next meeting because you already know what Mm -hmm. your next topic is going to be. And then you can follow up on if there are any follow-up items from last time. Yeah. Yeah. It gives me a week to percolate as well. So That's true. That's (laughs) true because you're a a thorough thinker, right? Yeah, I'd like to say I'm a slow thinker, but yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are your strength themes, just for our listeners? It's kind of fun to have that in our in our minds when we're um, I'm strategic and analytical, and uh, future futuristic, and relational, and um, the first one is the one like prudence. What's it called? Cautious, whatever. Oh, deliberative. Yeah, deliberative. Yeah, deliberative. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So that's some strategic thinking themes, uh, an executing theme. I think deliberative is an executing theme. Um, and then a relationship building theme. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. And what were your, what your, what was your APEST letters? How did that go? Um, apostolic teacher and then prophet, shepherd, and evangelist. Evangelist. Cool. 
That's awesome. And so that's helpful for our listeners, for any of you that have done <laughs> Clifton Strength Finders or, or the APES profile as we're talking to Father Anthony. You're like, you can go, oh, I got it. Because it's really fun sometimes to know what people's strengths and charisms are as they're as you are hearing them speak, because it, it really does help us understand their personality better, maybe their working style better, their preferences better. And, and I think that's kind of fun. How has APEST helped you understand yourself more? Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, it, it certainly helped me understand my, the frustra- my frustrations of the past. So as as um, apostolic being my first, um, you know, my first charism, um, you know, I've always had a tendency to uh, pioneer and grow or start new things. Um, and sometimes in the church environment, there's a lot of resistance to that, or even more than that, I hate to say it, but it's like a lack of belief. Sure. That is worth it. Yeah. Um, sometimes I've been faced with a shrinking mentality, you know, a very strong maintenance approach. So that helped me understand why I was feeling like I didn't fit in. So in fact, it's not that I don't fit in, it's just the way you're the way wired I'm, for growth. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, yeah, it's a, I find it exciting because I'm, I understand why I'm often looking for new possibilities or new opportunities and, yeah. and, and so on. So like I, I remember when the, like the pandemic hit and the lockdown started, um, you know, it was obviously very, very sad for the, for, for the human cost. Um, but pastorally, I, I could only see it as an opportunity. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like, that's fun. Yeah, even difficult things you're always looking for. Hey, where's the where's the silver lining here? How can we turn this into mm-hmm. something that can cause growth, that can grow the kingdom, that can impact people? Yeah, like what can we do now that we where we couldn't really do before? Um, mm. and, and there's plenty of that. Right. I love that. And with your strategic thinking themes, your analytical themes, you'd really be able to, and that's one of the things you say, you're a slow thinker. And I use the word thorough thinker. And I, I would love it as our listeners here. If you know people that have are high in, in strategic thinking themes, they really are thorough thinkers. And yes, that takes more time. But I know one of the things that when we're working together, and even in our culture, I think we really value busyness. And people, uh, activity after activity after activity, I think we kind of have an addiction to it and a real false way of looking at it because for you, thinking is working hard. And so it might not look it to others from the outside, but they have no idea what's going on on the inside. Yeah, that's, that's uh, very true. Um, uh yeah, it's important for me to have margin, you know, where I can just uh, think and, and be creative. Mm. At the same time, I, because we're talking about learnings, really, um, yes. the, the big learning for me this year in particular has been that it's all about people. What do you mean by that? And it should, I guess some people might be, isn't that obvious? You're a priest, it's all about people. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I didn't. I think before I used to think maybe it's all about, you know, having the right ideas. Um, so if, as long as you have the right ideas and the right process or program, things will work out. Um, but in fact, you know, the, the the 
the line of work we're in is transforming lives, you know, or you know, allowing Jesus to transform lives. So lives are people. Mm. So that's what it's all about. So even in terms of like the way I try, uh, I try to lead is is different now. It's not so much about um, you know having ideas and and, and uh, checking that the tasks are done, but more about growing people and, and loving them. Mm. each one in a different way that's uh, awesome that's a big learning for me um yeah that's not small because that takes time people take time people are messy and it's way easier to have the right ideas and the right structure and the right strategy and just bark at people and and rifle through people until you get people to do what you want and 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 kind of almost use people um and yeah. and but to care for people, to love people, forces us to slow down. We do get messy. It does get messy. But it's also where the magic lies in relationship. That, you know. Yeah, and that's something, Ron, right, that you, you and I and the rest of the team here, we've been focused on, focusing on, especially in our leadership summits, you know, the whole idea of uh, not using people to build the church, but use the church to build people. Yes. Um, so again, some, for me that was revolutionary, but it, it's just just makes so much sense and uh, <laughs> kind of follows the example of Jesus too, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And I'll tell you, it's it's fun. One of the things I've really enjoyed working with you, Father Anthony, is the fact that you you the level of thought and intentionality you bring to everything you do really helps me be better. Uh, it really does. And so, you know, because you do one-on-ones with me, we kind of switch back and forth, <laughs> which has been really fun. And so sometimes we'll focus, you know, once a week we'll focus on you and once a week we'll focus on me. And that's kind of fun too. I used to do that in the pharmaceutical industry when I was in sales. Uh, uh, me and my friend Curtis, uh, one time I went with him and I coached him. And then the next week he came with me and he coached me and I learned just as much both times. You know, yeah. You know, it's, 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 sometimes it's easier to see, to see what could be improved when you're looking at what somebody else is doing than it is when you're doing it yourself. And so when your vantage point changes, yeah, you grow. Yeah. Like I, I even appreciate it a lot and I grew from like your feedback to, to preaching. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is interesting because you're strongly evangelistic, right? Yes, and that's like my that's my last uh, my last theme. Yes, in in APES. Um and so uh, like your feedback or that kind of ex- exchange that we had have, again helped me to change perspective. Mm. That to to preach primarily of those who are in in front of me. You know, like um, if we want we want those who are whatever unchurched to be attracted to. Um, to what we offer in, in the weekend, then we need to be offering that now. And then right not wait till our church is half full of new people. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and also we want the people who are there, you know, the church, I guess, yes. to, um, to go and, and, and share the message. So I need to give them a message that they can share, um, that, that the unchurched can relate to, et cetera. Um, yeah. And I, there was like one of the, Highlights of, of my year, uh, there was. Uh, I was going through a, a short a short period, you know, where I, I was preaching in, in this style, like 
aiming at the uncharged, but I wasn't sure if it was really working or not. Um, and then I got an email from a, a, a young person who stumbled on, on our, our, our live stream on Sunday. And, um, you know, she was searching and she decided from listening to, to the preaching to surrender her life to Jesus. And so now she's in RCIA and, and uh, even helping a bit in, in ministry. So, <laughs> so like, you know, if, if, I needed, if I needed an answer, I got a very loud one there. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fun. Thanks be to God for that. And, and the other thing that does too, when you're preaching to the unchurched or the people that aren't there yet, it says to me as a parishioner that it's okay for me to bring my friends. In fact, you're expecting me to bring my friends. And I've been in so many churches where the, the underlying dominant assumption is that everybody here are members of their, their lifelong Roman Catholics who believe what we believe. And boy, the preaching is is really oriented to that, which makes you be thankful you didn't bring your friends because they wouldn't have been able to relate or they would have felt judged. And not that that would have been the intent, but we literally don't even consider the fact that people might want to bring their friends. Like an invitation is so not on our radar. That's a tradition. But when we start preaching in ways that are for people's friends to come, yeah, and you know, in a way, it's a false dichotomy that that we make because you know Catholic people live in the same world as everybody else. Amen. I remember we had a series uh, a couple of months ago about healing, and we spoke about addictions and marriage breakdown, and it has tremendous impact. And it's exactly the same problems that everyone has. So, amen. Yeah, just, we just need to speak into people's lives. Yeah, to be relevant, right? Love that. Love that. And so how, how about um, when you think about how strengths has kind of formed you and shaped you as you've, like you mentioned how it's shaped how you treat others. How has it changed the way you see yourself? I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've, in the past, I, I had some moments where I wondered, like I, I feel the call to serve in the priest, but I wondered, <laughs> Does this church really want me? Yes. <laughs> Which isn't a huge thing, obviously, if you're a priest, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, like, and first of all, the self-awareness of knowing the strength, the gifts that God has given me, um, gives me confidence for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also understanding better what what kind of service to seek to give and, and what kind of service to Politely declined. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so it, it's made a huge change for me because, um, it, uh, yeah, in some ways it confirmed my, my calling. Yeah. Um, to serve in, in our church. I love that. I love that because we are, we are our happiest when we know we're not made by mistake. And that not only are we not made by mistake, but we're, we're infused with unbelievable gifts and graces and charisms from God to do something cool. And it's going to look different for us than it is for others. And when we're given the freedom to be that person, to step into that, oh man, it's fun. And man, isn't that what we want for the whole church? Like not, not just the priest, but right? <laughs> exactly. It, it catches on, right? Yeah. It, it's contagious. 
<laughs> I love that. Well, there's a big announcement that came out uh, not that long ago for you that you're not staying as an associate, like going from an associate to a pastor back to an associate as you came to Canada. That must have must have been tricky at times, but you, you kind of uh, stepped into that role and really served Father T in the church in beautiful ways. But you've been, it's been announced that you're, you're heading out. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Christ the King have had enough of me. <laughs> <laughs> all the strategy they need. <laughs> that is so not true. <laughs> we all yeah, the, so. the, uh, the bishop has asked me to serve uh, as pastor in, in St. Ignatius Parish, in, which is in, in Bedford, not, not too far yeah. from where I am. Um, so, yeah, I'm obviously, uh, I'll be sad to leave Christ the King, but very excited at at what lies ahead, the opportunities at uh, St. Ignatius. Um, we have a, a great pastor who I believe has been on a podcast here before, Father Patrick <laughs> Busgrove. That's true. Um, separate for, for many, many years. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to continue to, to serve and, and to lead and to, to build that community. And I'm really happy, Ron, that you're, you're coming with me. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. Me too. Can't get rid of you. <laughs> It's going to be a ton of fun. It really is. Yeah. What passions are you bringing? Well, two things. Let me back up. You said, I'm looking forward to the opportunities. What do you even see as opportunities as you head there? Well, so I'm obviously just starting to learn um, about the, the parish and, and the community and the you know, key players there. But like one of the most obvious things that are, are evident is that it's a, it's a young community. Um, I'm told they built a new high school there, and very quickly it was uh, you know, ran out of space. They had to, so that that shows you it's growing and it's young. So um, that's great for me because I um, I really believe in our in our young people and our young families. I've, I've served in various capacities with uh, with youth before. Um, Particularly, I also believe that our seniors have have something really unique to contribute um, in terms of of raising the next generation of of leaders. So um, I'm really dreaming and hoping to to go in there with that, that kind of intergenerational approach. Um, so uh, yeah, I. I see that as a great, a great, great opportunity. Well, that sounds so exciting. You know, as, yes, as we were saying, you know, what we're about is is transforming lives through um, through Jesus Christ. So, um, yeah, we. I just look forward to to, to uh, steadily building a community with other leaders um, where people are loved and where you know leaders, emerging leaders, are made. So, for me, that's like an awesome thing to look forward to. <laughs> no, that's fair. What passions do you bring? What passions will you bring with you? Well, a particular passion I have is um, is around social justice, you know, um, Catholic social teaching. I, I find it's a, it's, it's a bridge that we have with the world. Um, you'd be amazed at um, how many people listen to to the Catholic voice and on these issues, um, and 
you know, in church speak, we often talk about making disciples, you know, yes. making disciples, which um, that's the command that Jesus gave us, right? Go and yes. make disciples. But I found myself asking, why? What, what for? What are these disciples going to make? Like, okay, they can make more disciples, but what for? Right. Um, so, you know, we have all these transformed lives. Why? Well, it's so that they can transform the world. Um, in, in whatever walk of life they're in, doesn't, it doesn't, they don't have to do it from within the church. Um, so, yeah, I have this, this passion that we can be the people who are the, you know, the salt of the earth. And so, uh, yeah, I have no idea how this will materialize. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited even to hear you talk like that. I just get so excited. And, and what's cool about it is, I think we don't really have to know. Like if we have a dream and a passion, trust that God's giving that to us. And as we meet new people, God's going to put great people in our life and, and we're going to form each other. And God's going to take us on this crazy journey together as we grow in friendships and love and respect mm-hmm. for each other and think that just snowballs. And, and uh, I think it's going to be ridiculously fun. <laughs> That's yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> really exciting. exciting. It really is. What's your mom have to say about all this? Is she following any of this back at home? Or? <laughs> yeah, they've already checked the website and <laughs> and now live stream us, they can see me quite a bit. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's kind of fun. Yeah. I was reading through, um, through scripture. I think it was through Acts when I read about uh, Paul crashing in Malta and the cool things that happened there. And, the, and then I realized, wait a minute, Father Anthony's from Malta. And I asked you that day, <laughs> like, hey, you remember that story? And yeah, I remember you saying to me, Ron, we literally track the faith of our country back to that shipwreck. And I'm like, that is crazy. Like, yeah, that's, that's just right. so yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, we call St. Paul the, our, our father in faith. So yeah. Yeah. Was that happened in the year 60? So, yeah, Crazy. We're, we're a good vintage. <laughs> yes, you really are. I'm sure we've had a, a lot of uh, ship crashes in Nova Scotia, too, but I don't think St. Paul was on any of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's been great. Father Anthony, it's been fun talking to you. It's been really interesting, and I thank you for sharing your learnings and uh, at the courage it took to come to Nova Scotia on a, on a the hope to find a diocese that was was looking to continue to be missional and outward focused. I think you're a real gift to our diocese. It's fun to be in this together. And I look forward to the next chapter. Thank you, Ron. It's been, uh, it's been awesome learning and working from you. And, and thanks for this invitation today. You're most welcome. God bless you. So there you have it. As of July 2021, I will be heading to St. Ignatius Parish in Bedford, Nova Scotia with Father Anthony Carawan. I cannot wait. That is the parish I was confirmed in when I was a teenager, and I am heading back. I'm so excited to be a part of that community. Please pray for us. This is going to be a wonderful next chapter of ministry. God bless you all. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.